Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rod Taylor, a.k.a. the Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, 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 Geek Vibes Nation, to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live Review. I'm your host, Jawan, joined by the lovely and super talented Tia. What's going on, Tia? Well, thank you, Juan. I always appreciate the compliments. Always, always, always. Um, so today, Geek Vibes Nation, we will be reviewing Velvet Buzzsaw. Um, we actually got this movie a little early, but instead of doing a review too quickly, we figured we'd, you know, let it breathe for a day and then give it to you guys Saturday night. So we will be breaking down, again, Velvet Buzzsaw that is starring, uh, completely forgot his name, Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know why that slipped my brain. Um, but, but this movie, uh, excuse me, was a lot of fun. And I'm actually going to go to you first here to kind of give me your first thoughts on Velvet Buzzsaw. So, obviously, anything that Jake Gyllenhaal is in, I want to watch. And I was seeing some reviews come out, and they were saying that if I liked Nightcrawler, which I love Nightcrawler, that I would like this movie. So, I watched it late last night, which probably was kind of a bad idea on my part because I will tell you that there was one particularly scary moment that all of a sudden my light went off and it scared the hell out of me. Um, If you turn on this movie and maybe the first few minutes are a little slow, we have Jake Gyllenhaal who is playing this art critic and it's all very pretentious and almost a little Zoolander, but not in, like, the comedy sense. So you almost find, like, oh, it's a little, you know, flat, perhaps, at some points in the beginning. But then once it gets into this supernatural horror thriller theme that it's going for, it is it is definitely, I think, a thriller movie that is worth watching. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Excuse me. And the, the biggest thing that I took away was comparing it to Nightcrawler isn't necessarily fair. Um, The tones kind of feel similar, um, but Nightcrawler to me was an edge of my seat, constant thrill ride. Um, And I still to this day have no idea how Jake didn't win something for that. He was freaking amazing. Um, This, I kind of just see it as its own thing. And for what this movie was, I kind of feel like it just missed the mark. Um, There were moments of it that I kind of felt like I could go to the bathroom and come back and I wouldn't have necessarily missed that much. Um, Let's kind of start from the beginning. So how did the beginning kind of feel for you, Tia? Did it kind of feel like it was setting up something good or did you feel like the ending was a lot better than the beginning? I would definitely say, first of all, that the ending was better than the beginning. I, you know, now that we're kind of talking about it, suddenly it pops in my head, 
and I remember we were on a show, I, I forgot what we were talking about, but you were saying how, you know, you don't really like the whole uh, pointless sex scenes that they have, pretty much, that kind of interrupt the story. And right away, within the first, like, five or ten minutes of the movie, we kind of have this pointless uh, romance that's still going on between Morph and the main girl. I think her name is Josephina or something like that. So that was – and I thought that was a little strange to start it off um, like that because it really – you didn't get the sense that this was going to be necessarily a horror movie. You were like, okay, I'm just going to watch this movie about, like, the pretentious world of these art gallery people and how – I can't – I only am thinking of the word pretentious, you know. It reminds me of – I went to this very artsy college – and there was, like, a piece where in a glass box was just a crumbled up piece of paper, and everyone was looking at it, and they were like, oh, yes, oh, I see. And it reminded me there's a scene in Velvet Buzzsaw where one of, like, the appraisers looks at these uh, bags of garbage, and he's like, it's revolutionary. And it's like, no, it's just garbage. It's just a bag. It's literally bags of garbage. So that's, uh, that's kind of the feel that you get in the beginning of the movie. Um, and that's why I kind of said before that you should really stick with it. Certainly the middle uh, uh, second half of the movie and ending was better than the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing, again, and I love that you brought that up. Everyone always tells me, not being overly dramatic about it, excuse me, but the reason why I do not like unnecessary um, sex scenes is because it does nothing for the story. And like, if you're talking about Spartacus, okay, that stuff happened back in those times. Game of Thrones, sure, that stuff happens. But it's to the point where it's like, I don't just unnecessarily need it because it does nothing for the story. In a movie, to me, I pay attention for things that if you remove this, is that vital to the story? And I feel like sex scenes are never vital to the story. And that's what I think bothers me so much is because it's like like that scene where you see Jake Gyllenhaal sitting in the chair and then his boyfriend just kind of like disrobes and jumps in the pool naked. I'm kind of like, what was that supposed to do for me? Like, why did I need that at all? Like, he could have had swim trunks on and that scene would have made the same amount of sense. So it's, it's, just, it's pointless to me, but everyone always tells me I'm being overly dramatic and I have to get over it. Uh, Joel told me that with the whole Jessica Jones thing. I'm like, all of it in Jessica Jones was just, it, to me, it was it was a distraction to me because you were looking forward to those scenes rather than the scenes where you were actually getting, you know, some actual substance from the story. Uh, the Luke Cage parts in that I understood because it was crucial to the comics, but everything else was just like distraction. But anyway, back to the movie. The beginning to me kind of felt like an artistic like what the art world is really like, how cutthroat it is, how people would do anything that they need to to get their art out there. Um, but to me, it just was so sl- like it was slow. I think I would have digested this a lot better if it was maybe more in a series format, um, like mm-hmm. a one time only kind of kind of thing. Uh, but it being a movie, it kind of just felt like they left so much on the the cutting table like there was so much more to this movie but they kind of cut stuff out to 
to make it, you know, to make that movie. And I kind of just felt like there was more maybe. Um, I, I kind of want to also go into what you thought of some of the characters, like what characters kind of stood out to you besides Morph, Jake Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, because I think we both can agree he was amazing. Uh, <laughs> so we can put that <laughs> to the side. I want to kind of dive into the other characters because one character I really did not like because her lines sometimes, like maybe her emotional scenes were cringeworthy to me, was the girl that Morph was in love with. And I cannot remember her name. I just finished it this morning and still can't remember it. Scatterbrained with all the news I was telling you. Um, Sophia, was it Sophia? It, it was Josephina. She was the Josephina. love interest that, yeah, that Morph was really into. Um, with Josephina, it, I liked her better in the beginning of the movie than I did the second half of the movie. Um, at first, she, we meet her and her boyfriend, you find out, is cheating on her, and she's just trying to make it in this art world just like anyone else is. And I like that, you know, I, I like that her and Morph had this kind of relationship. Um, it, Morph's character, we see, you know, at first he has a boyfriend, but then he's with her, and it really just kind of shows that he, you know, just kind of likes the person. It's not necessarily the gender. And I, and I did like seeing that. I didn't mind their relationship, but as the movie went on, I think she was so consumed with then the obsession of selling this art and pushing it that everything else got cast aside. I mean, she cast it aside morph at some point she cast aside any real caution that people were giving her uh about the painting so that's really you know i I really kind of didn't like her towards the end of the movie and then you know what happened to her i really kind of was like you know good good then which is bad i shouldn't feel that way but i really started to dislike her character as the movie went on yeah i it was weird because it one thing I did like that this movie showed you is something that's truly important, and that's how quickly not only money, power um, could change mm-hmm. a person because her entire personality switched like that once she um, found the uh, the paintings and started helping and selling them. I assume making more money. She was obviously an assistant, um, and she had actually, excuse me, had just been kind of like demoted to a to a degree because she kept being late um and once she got that power she just kind of like I don't want to say it got to her head because she wasn't like running around like she owned everything but she kind of had this change of like I don't need you like I made me and it was just kind of like I think you completely forgot that 24 hours ago (laughs) you were an assistant that got demoted from an assistant so it's like I don't really get where all this bravado is coming from, but um, yeah. And go ahead, go sorry ahead. to interrupt, but no, you know, and, and I, I guess we should say spoiler alert uh, with this. But two things I wanted to say was, it, and it did, it got to her head because you know, at some point she leaves more for the the star on the rise. I think his name was like Gimrish or something. I feel bad as I you know don't want to get it wrong, but. Um, he wasn't obviously as pompous or, you know, like, uh, I don't want to say rich because his, you know, artwork was going to make him a lot of money, but he was a lot more down to earth. And you saw how, like, 
snobbish she got when he just kind of wanted to chill out or he wanted to go just to the regular bar. And she's like, yes, I just want to go. Let's go. Let's go. And she really just became a little too much at times. And I want to ask you, did you think when she found the painting that she, it was just kind of the power that got her head or, or do you kind of feel that maybe something supernatural had gotten a hold of her? Because as soon as she, came down from that apartment after discovering the painting. She almost had this smirk on her face. And I almost thought to myself, well, is something supernatural and paranormal going on with her? Or is it really just her looking at that saying, well, here's now my chance to make, uh, make a name for myself within the art world? The only reason why I say I don't think supernatural had anything to do with it is because it seems like at every point, it was trying to tell her, get rid of it. Um, and they were doing it by killing people. <laughs> so it was one of those things to where it was just like, I think, because that's in everyone, to be completely honest with you, that's in everyone who doesn't have a proper grasp of where they've, they've come from. Uh, because, you know, I, I'll say this. If I made a billion dollars tomorrow, I'm not even talking about my attitude changing. I'm talking about my lifestyle changing, like everything would, I do ridiculous things. Like, you know, I'd buy like 30 cars and only drive one. Like I'd, I'd have a boat, but there's no water by me. Like it, it just, the idea of having the opportunity changes some people. Um, and I think that was the case with her. Like she, she's seen all these high profile artists who have the fancy cars, the big houses and everything. And excuse me, I'm pretty sure she was like, when she gets it, that's all the things she wants. And it began to change her attitude. Um, only reason why I don't think this, like the spirit of the drawings or anything like that had anything to do is it didn't change anyone else. If anything, it just eliminated everyone. The one thing I didn't get was that the idea of the, the paintings killing you would have made more sense to me all of those people knew that she stole the art that was supposed to be thrown away. Because at the end of the day, I kind of felt like these, these paintings are killing people for absolutely no reason. Like what, what are you killing all these people for? Um, and then in the end, it didn't necessarily kill her. It just made her part of the art. So it was just like, it, it was weird to me. Cause I'm kind of like, once more found out, he kind of said like, we got to destroy all of this. Like, let's destroy all of it like he wanted, and then he still died. I was just kind of like, it's, it's really weird. Uh, uh, I, 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 I don't know if you really felt that way. I thought he was going to be the one who actually lived when he was saying to that whatever the hell it was. Which that was the exact moment that my light went out. I was scared shitless. Uh, and he's like, I understand. I understand. And I'm like, it didn't help, though. It didn't help you. Um yeah, he was the one who, you know, at first, again, when you meet him, he's so, you know, he's the critic and yada, 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 but then he quickly is so willing to throw his very uh, luxurious life away because he knows that this is this something, as he says, what is this, something truly goddamn strange is going on right now. Yeah, and something truly strange was going on. He was absolutely correct. Um, so, but I wanted to ask you, did it kind of, 
what were your thoughts on, and I know we're kind of moving a little forward. We're going to go all over the place because I think at the end of the day, <laughs> me and you didn't hate the movie, um, but I don't think it's something that we'll run to right away to see again. Uh, I don't want to speak for you, um, but I kind of want to get into your thoughts on how some of the deaths planned, uh, panned out. Like, did you think like they actually deserve to die, mo- most of these people that were dying? No, I, I don't believe that, but I think that's kind of was the point. It didn't play on the typical horror movie, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the horror movie rules of death pretty much, you know. It was just an, an unfortunate thing that all these people were dying because of the art. I think, honestly, I don't believe that Morph deserved to die. I almost felt bad for that young um, art guy who ended up getting like hanged by his tie, which by the way, I saw that coming a mile away. As soon as he like got up on the chair and he was using his tie to fix the lamp, uh, light bulb or something, I was like, okay, he's going to get hung to death. And I saw that coming. But besides that, um, I really just didn't think that any of them necessarily deserved to die. And I felt kind of Tell me if you agree. Didn't you feel so bad about the poor assistant Coco that I think during the movie she probably uh, walked in on three people's deaths and that girl just needs to move and never work within the art world again because for her, my God, that <laughs> she has to walk in on everyone dying. So I, yeah, I did that feel was bad. horrible. That was horrible. Every I also thought. Time. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, that's what I had to say. I just felt horrible. Yeah, I kind of felt like they were trying to insinuate that her character meant more than than we thought, mainly because, think about it, at every turn, she was selling secrets to continue to to stay, stay employed. Um, and this was even after the deaths. So I kind of saw that, and I was just kind of like, hmm, maybe she means more to the story, but then it never panned. And then at the end, when um excuse me, when she's driving by and sees that the art is still being sold, she says nothing. Like she just kinda saw that all this art was kinda derailing everybody and, and, and you know, possibly causing all this death. And she kinda said nothing. So I was kinda just like she is like really evil. Um, not evil <laughs> in the sense of like maniacal mustache twirling, just <clears throat> more so evil in the sense of she was selling secrets even after people even after bodies were dropping um and she didn't really seem like she cared who it was affecting um like telling morph that like that's like someone being on the edge of just completely breaking down and then like you're their boss and they're telling you like all these things that are like really making them depressed and making them sad and like after they tell you that you're kind of like you're fired (laughs) like that's like it's it's horrible because it's like someone on like their worst day to get even worse news is horrible. Um, so I didn't really know how to feel about her character. I don't think like her character was a villain or, or anything in, in that respect, but it's just kind of like she just was really doing some really underhanded things. The, uh, the death with the, um, the, the necktie that you were referring to, I didn't see that coming. Because um, again, they didn't set these deaths up well. Like it wasn't like I'd understand if, like, the painting was saying, like, destroy me, and they were, like, ignoring it, thinking, like, they were hearing things, and then it reacted, but I kind of felt like there was no proper setup to tell the audience why people were dying, 
Like, the main person who should have died is the person you waited till the end of the movie, uh, towards the end of the movie to, to kill. So I kind of feel like you weren't really digging deep enough into why this guy's paint was possessed or why this guy was possessed, why he ended up dying. There was just a lot that they kind of just were like, we're leaving it open-ended. So, like, how did you feel? Like, do you feel as though it set things up properly or it kind of was just like, the shock and awe will get you. You don't really need that much story to it. I, I wouldn't say that necessarily you don't need that much story to it because, as you said, it would have been nice to get that story. I think that the movie was primarily just for the shock and awe. And I feel like sometimes that's what Netflix kind of has a problem with with their original movies. They never really seem like they're overly well done or well thought of. And as far and kind of go back a little on dimension, as far as uh, the girl Coco, I forget the actress's name, but she's in Stranger Things, and at times it felt like really they were just kind of putting her in there because it was Netflix and they needed to have uh, the Netflix character in there. Because so like, you didn't feel like she was there because she was supposed to be uh, the only non, you know, like the outsider pretty much, or maybe even the moral compass of the movie. She wasn't. And I love that you pointed out that as Morse is sitting there freaking out, she's just like, okay, well, am I fired or not? And it's like, you know, maybe there should be a little bit more compassion for this guy who is completely losing his mind. But one of the things that I felt like they didn't set up properly um, is in the beginning, they, and I forget, who was, who was the main older woman uh, that Morph was, you know, good friends with? The one who, like, died at the very, very end. I forget, God, I forget her name. Uh, Rwanda? Uh, Rosa. Huh? Keep keep going. I'm gonna to try to pull up the um, right. <clears throat> excuse me the the cast list. So the thing is, is that in the beginning of the movie, they really focus on her tattoos because it's all about she was in a like punk rock band. I got it. Eighties. What is it? Rodora. 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 Yeah. Rodora Hayes. Rodora. So you know we focus so much on her tattoos. And the fact that her band is called Velvet Buzzsaw. So there's obviously the throw out there of why the movie is called Velvet Buzzsaw. But I really thought that there was going to be more in relation to not only the name of the movie, but why are they focusing so much on the tattoos? And in the end, it was just a cheap ploy to be like, oh, and this is how she dies. She threw away all of her artwork and... She thought she was safe, but in reality, it was the artwork on her body that got her. And by the way, I have to tell whatever makeup department is doing this, that those tattoos were terrible looking. Um, definitely whoever did them should not have continued doing tattoo work at all. I'm just saying, throwing that out there as someone who has them, those were terrible. But I didn't feel like they set that up right. It was a little cheap and a little cheesy that that the reason what it's like they threw in there like why are we calling it velvet buzzsaw well we'll make it the name of the band that she was in in the 80s and we're going to put a really terrible looking tattoo on the back of her neck and in the end because it's you know a buzzsaw it's going to saw right through her and kill her right there so i didn't feel like they set that up at all at all well you know 
Yeah, and I kind of got like an evil vibe from her when uh, Morph was saying something to her, and she kind of, as he, you know, stormed off, she went, all art is evil. And I'm kind of like, they kept dropping like these nuggets and dialogue from these characters that never really amounted to anything. Um, Then it kind of seemed like at the end, it seemed like they were torn on whether or not they wanted to keep her alive. And then for her to die, because what started confusing me was, I thought they were saying the only things that were haunted and could kill you was his artwork. So then when you're saying her tattoo just turned into an actual saw and, and cut her head off, I'm like, all right, you guys are like, you're really reaching now. And this is insane. Um, but it wasn't. It, it, it was, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, it, but it wasn't all of his artwork because that fear that the woman put her hand in it was not his artwork. And then the guy the, with the crutches, the hobo man, wasn't his artwork either. So, and then um, the artwork that killed Josephina was not his artwork either. So the only people who really, the only person who really got killed, I think, from his artwork was uh, the the guy who who was driving the truck with all the crates of the artwork, and and that was it. He was really the only one who was physically killed, I believe, by his actual artwork. Yeah. So then that that's even worse then, uh, because then that means you never explained what the evil entity was that spread throughout the the art world. Like, what what was it? Um, and then what was that setup at the end of of people reselling the art that you want to destroy if your art wasn't what was killing everyone? Like, it's just completely confusing. Um, and nothing really panned out. Like, again, you said us seeing the Velvet Buzzsaw, was that the equivalent to, like, you know how, like, every movie feels the need to say the name of the movie in the movie? It felt like that's what that that tattoo was supposed to be like it was their way of saying the name velvet buzzsaw without anyone actually physically saying it um i don't know i i I didn't hate this movie because this isn't one of those movies that i left and i was kind of just like this was like the worst thing i've ever like okay i'll say this last year i saw the meg that was the worst thing i've ever seen in my life uh one of them that was one of the worst things i've ever seen in my life um i would never suggest to anybody to watch that movie under any circumstance um but this movie i would suggest to someone like watch it kind of form your own opinion like maybe there was something i missed that you might have caught that you know you can school me on but i just kind of felt like this movie missed the bar and that's why i get i was getting offended of the idea of people comparing it to nightcrawler because i thought nightcrawler was such a complete movie like, I didn't leave that going, this didn't make sense, or that didn't make sense. I left this movie with nothing but more questions. Nothing was answered for me. Um, and then the robot at the end, it was just like, how did that robot get there? It was more storage facility. So, like, did Morph have that robot in his storage facility? Like, Tia, help me out with that. Where, where did that robot come from? I, my only explanation is that I don't think that it was necessarily, you know, it, he had a storage locker there. So it seems that they obviously rotate out the art. So perhaps the hobo man was there because he was in another uh, storage locker because they were rotating the art to make room for more of the dead guy's art. Uh, that's the only thing that maybe I could even conjure up as an explanation 
And by the way, really quick to throw it out there, I think that Bright is definitely one of the worst movies that I've ever seen. Is it as bad as uh, Bright? No, I still think that you should watch Velvet Buzzsaw. Um, but as you, and now that we're talking about it, you're right, there's so many unanswered questions. How the hell does that hobo man get there? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's creepy as hell, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just felt so bad for Morph in the end that he ended up getting killed. I really wanted him to at least be the one who survived. The only one was Coco. And I guess that at the end of the movie when they were doing that shot of all the paintings being sold, it was supposed to symbolize that, I guess, the nightmare isn't over and more people are going to be killed and this is all Josefina's fault because she didn't destroy the painting. It was all her fault. Yeah, but but see, it, it didn't, it didn't, that didn't really seem like that was the message that they were trying to, to give, at least to me. Mainly because, let's say this, let's say that it was uh, an evil entity that was haunting all art, right? Excuse me. I kind of feel like usually when entities do that, there's a reason, and then there's a way to stop it. This was just like, no, nothing you could do to stop it, and no, I don't really have a reason why I'm killing you guys. I'm just killing you guys. Like, it, they never explained anything. Uh, I don't even think I'll have to watch it again uh, unless you can tell me. I don't even think they really went into deeply how the man died, the man who did all the art. So it was just like, I I really don't understand what you're setting up here. And I really hope there's not a sequel to it. This is one of the things, these are one of the movies that should just end here. Um, you know, whether you think it's good or bad, I think it should end here. I had the same feeling for a movie called Smoke and Aces. I thought Smoke and Aces was perfectly done. One of the best action thriller movies I've ever seen. I still have it in my top five. Um, I could watch that movie any day. But you didn't need to make a sequel. Ryan Reynolds, that, what, wait, I don't want to spoil this. Did you see that movie, Tia? Uh, I did not. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. But you no, can no, 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 spoil no. It. It's okay. You sure? I'm sure. Okay. It, it's, it's out of context, so it's not really a spoiler for you anyway, but... That movie ending with Ryan Reynolds pulling out the, the two plugs that, that kills the guy, that was such a beautiful way to end that movie. So then when you made a part two, I was kind of like, no, but you didn't need to. It was perfectly done. I feel that way with Velvet Buzzsaw. If you liked it, great. If you didn't, great. I do not think you need to explore this story anymore because it was confusing enough. The only, only way I would like another movie that's attached to this this um this movie is if you do a prequel about the guy who does the art, the guy who died from from making the art, because then maybe you can kind of dive into how evil entity became uh, what it was. Like a lot of it's just confusing, and then to see the end as John Malkovich is just on the beach drawing circles in in this, I was like, this movie makes absolutely no sense. See ya. Speak to what John Malkovich was doing at the end. Like, what what was going on? And how is it that he knew to get out of town before he ended up dead? It's funny that you say that. Um, he really was the only fortunate one. And in a way, he almost seems like the most tangible out of all the characters. It's, he had gotten sober, and he wasn't into the flashy party scene like any of the others. So... I don't really know why they decided to keep him alive. And it's like, he's just there 
I guess, having a grand time and maybe those circles were supposed to symbolize something to us. But, I, yeah, I, I was really confused as to what that was. I kept watching because I was like, oh, they're going to show something really crazy at the end of this or something like that. And it just never happened. I think, personally, if they were going to do a sequel, just because I keep referencing to the movie Bright. Did you see Bright? You know what I'm talking about when I mention that movie? You know, you know it's heartbreaking every time I'm hearing you say that. Bright is the one with Will Smith and Joel Edgerton, Edgerton right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really enjoyed that movie. So as you're saying, oh. I'm just like, oh, you're breaking my heart. I'm <laughs> like, I really enjoyed oh. it. But no, go ahead, continue. Well, you know, Joan, you broke my heart by saying you didn't necessarily like Punisher season two. So I guess we're even <laughs> here. But Fair um, enough, fair enough. So I very much dislike Bright. But I think that I had heard, unless that got canceled, but I had heard that they were planning on making a sequel to it. So if they, right, they then, are. And so if they decide to turn around and make a sequel to Velvet Buzzsaw, I really hope that they tie, in, tie up these loose ends. They explain things a little better. Maybe this movie was the prequel and we're going to really get the answers in the second movie because they dove a little into the guy himself when Morph was um, researching for the book that he wanted to write. And it's, so but pretty much all you got was, okay, this guy had a really bad, um, a really bad childhood and then he was in a psychiatric facility. So what's the, what's the reasoning behind why his paintings are messed up and why is he using his own blood or someone's blood to make the paintings? That really was never explained. Is it, are you supposed to sit there and be like, well, he was a mental you know, patient and there's so many movies where something's going wrong in mental asylum. So we should just assume that that's the reasoning, but that was a pretty poor reasoning or at least a very poor explanation. Um, you never really got why there's such a curse on these paintings um, or why he even decided to use the blood in the painting. I feel like in the trailer, they made like that was such a big deal and that was going to be so important. We were going to find out about the blood and then we just never found out anything about the blood. Um, So, so many, so many loose ends, but yeah, um, going back to, the original question. I have no idea what was happening at the end of the movie with the circles and the beach. I think he was just happy to, I don't know, be sober on the beach, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, I'm going to have to watch this movie again. I might even watch it again tonight. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Just for me to maybe see if I miss something. Um, but it's just, it's it's weird because I felt like I don't know, and it, it's crazy because Netflix, I felt like, even though you weren't a huge fan of Bright, I kind of feel like Netflix has been on a hot streak with um, some of their content, whether it's TV shows or some of the movies that they've been coming out with. Um, and this just seemed like they missed the mark. Like, it just, whoever, whoever finalized this movie and then showed the execs at Netflix, like, you're an executive at Netflix. How did you go, yeah, no this is great. Go ahead and put this out. Like, there's so many, so many questions. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, at the end of the day, was not a horrible movie. I I would suggest this movie because it's one of those things where it's like, I want you to watch it to get your own, uh, you know, opinion of it. 
But um, I do want to ask you, Tia, before we start to kind of wrap things up, um, what grade would you give this this movie, whether it's A through, you know, A, A through F? Sorry, I don't know why I was going to say Z. There's no letter grade for Z. But anyway, A through F um, or 1 through 10, whichever way you want to do it. How would you grade this movie? I would give it a B. Um, I, again, I didn't think it was horrible. I think if you're going to watch it, watch it for, first of all, Big Chung-ho is just a genius. And we didn't really talk about that a whole lot. Um, but I just love him in these kind of roles because you almost don't assume that he would play something like this. And it's almost a perfect contrast to what we're going to see in Spider-Man Far From Home with him playing Mysterio. I just love any movie that you get to see him a little, un, you know, unedged or something like that. Um, and he really was able to kind of go through these emotions of showing that he's not just a one-dimensional character. He has all these layers to him. Um, I was, I would watch it for Jake Gyllenhaal. I would watch it for the, um, the, the, the shocker value of it. It is a little ominous and it is very strange and trippy. And so I would say a B for that, but it's not too, too solid as a movie just because they had so many loose ends and they had, it didn't feel like, at times it really didn't necessarily feel like a completed movie. And they definitely need to get rid of all the unnecessary stuff. Um, as I said when we did the Punisher season two review, when I said, am I going to complain if I can see Ben Barnes, you know, shirtless, I'll do the shameless thing, where am I going to complain by seeing Jake Gyllenhaal shirtless? No, I'm not going to complain about that but I am going to complain that I didn't think that it was entirely necessary to the plot line, except if you just wanted to say, you wanted to put in that portrayal. But then that didn't even seem that necessary for her to have left him for the other guy because, yeah, he was up and coming rising star, but then he just kind of went along as quickly as he came. Then he just went back to his pre- – tell me how – okay, Sorry, Juwan, what was the point of showing the muscle guy who was representing Dimmerish or something? You know, they acted like that guy was going to, like, cause mayhem because uh, the talent was stolen away from him. And, you know, is this just a muscle guy? Is he in in debt, in debt with, debt with uh, uh, you know, bad people? But that was never explained, but it was put out there as if you should have expected something horrible. And in the end, it was just him walking away and setting up for Josephina to get encompassed by the graffiti. So well, now I that think I'm like his, thinking more about that. Yeah, go ahead. I think his, no, no, you're fine. I think his purpose was um, he was the guy that took um, the artist back. Uh, he took the artist from Josephina. Uh, you know, I, I think he was the old guy, well, not the old guy, the old person that artists used to work with. Um, I think that's kind of why him and the other lady kind of butted heads a little bit before he stormed out. I think that was the same guy. I could be wrong. Like I said, I think I have to watch this again to see if they, <laughs> they explain any of the a million questions I have person that got the artist back uh, and took 
one of the biggest artists away from Josephine um, in, in that art gallery. I believe that was his purpose. But again, it speaks to how they explain nothing, like literally nothing. Um, and for everyone listening, I don't want you guys to think like, oh, man, this is like such a thought-provoking movie. Like, no, this isn't Inception to where I'm like, whoa, my mind's blown. That's why I have so yeah. many questions. No, this was, it seems like the writer put a lot of periods after each dialogue instead of like a comma so he could further explain the scene. It was just like, oh, Josephine walks into the building and then kisses a the guy, period. Then Josephine does this, period. It was like, whoa, 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 no, no. Like, you can throw a couple commas in there to further explain rather than just, boom, this is one thing. Boom, this is the next. Boom, that's the next. Um, but, yeah, I, maybe it doesn't have a, a, a setup. To, yeah, I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. <laughs> this movie doesn't yeah. explain a lot. So this could have been one of the things that they didn't explain, like, whatsoever. Um, and that guy, another, and that guy ended up. I'm sorry, and that guy ended up being another one of the only people who ended up living. I'm assuming he looked a little like he was also kind of entranced with the artwork because as soon as he saw it, he didn't want to have sex with Josephina, and then he immediately had to go to that dive bar and go back to his old uh, representative. So is he going to eventually die or did he make it out? Okay. Was the painting like, you know what? No, you, you get to live. You're cool. It's fine. I mean, the, the guy's name is Damrish. Damrish. Damn. So Pierce, Damrish, Coco uh, were the ones to survive. Uh, another character that didn't really make that much sense to me. I know I was saying we were wrapping up, but now you got me thinking more about it. Um, it was Gretchen. <laughs> No, 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 no. You're fine. I'm, I'm glad you did because as a review show, we got to break these things down because I'm sure if we have questions, other people have questions and they're going to look for us to, to answer them. So we got to explain a lot better. Um, so I'm actually glad you did that. Um, Gretchen, who put her arm in the sphere and then got her arm, it seems like shredded um, or chopped off or whatever. Um, her character meant absolutely nothing to the story in my opinion it kind of just felt like she was there then when she was gone I didn't feel I didn't miss her character whatsoever it was just like oh yeah she's gone cool all right what are we talking about next so it was just like I didn't really get it I also thought it was weird how like excuse me the Josephine was was saying how kids and people walked in and thought her dead body was part of the art my only problem with that statement is dead bodies, especially after a little bit of time, let alone uh, 12 hours, they begin to smell. So did you guys smell that and still think it was just part of the ruse? Like, I don't know, a lot of that just didn't really make sense. But then, like, as they were saying, like, Coco walked in and was like, oh, my God, it's a dead body. I'm kind of like, those kids were playing in that blood. Like, that is sick. <laughs> that is insane. Like, they're going to need therapy. Um, a, a, a lot of this, Gretchen was one of those characters that, to me, didn't really do anything for the story. Um, how did you feel, Tia, about Gretchen? Uh, first of all, I feel like maybe, again, they threw in Tony Collette because she had done uh, so well with, oh, God, what was the movie that she was in um, that, you know, everyone was really mad, got snubbed? For an Oscar, 
Uh, I don't even remember. Hereditary, I think. Oh, hered- yeah, yeah. I know it's the one you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that okay, movie so was horrible, I, though. <laughs> really? I heard, I heard good things. Yeah. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. But I didn't see I it feel like it, I feel like they just threw her in. Um, and I think that by the explanation of saying, well, she was there for 12 hours and everyone thought she was part of the exhibit, I think was supposed to be almost a satirical commentary on the art world. It's supposed, I feel like, you know, with the whole avant-garde movement, not to insult any art people who may be listening in the show, like I'm not trying to do that. I think it's supposed to be over the top because as I said before, the one guy looked at that bunch of garbage bags and he's like, this is a revolutionary art piece. And, you know, Malkovich's character is like, that's not art. That's literally some garbage over here. And I feel like it was supposed to be almost this little kind of nod of a satirical point that, you know, everything can be considered art. Not to go off on a little bit of uh, an unrelated tangent, but I don't know if you ever saw it's an old movie called Ghost World. Um, like Scarlett Johansson's like 16 in it and Steve Buscemi's in it. And the main character played by Thora Birch is in an art class and you know, she drew this fantastic painting and it doesn't get recognized at all by her teacher. Her teacher's like, oh, it lacks vision. But then this other girl who is like completely just airheaded in the class puts a tampon and a teacup and the teacher's like, oh, this just speaks to the whole femininity, womanhood, being a little girl, but then moving into womanhood. And I feel like almost that part of it, of the movie Velvet Buzzsaw with the dead body was almost supposed to be that little like satirical nod. So that's what I, that's what I made of that moment there. Yeah. I I just, to me, I guess maybe I was looking at it too logically, but it was just kind of like, I've been in a house where um where someone actually like physically like passed away. Obviously not an arm chopped off, but just like in their sleep. Oh, uh, um <laughs> learning yeah. things about Juwan every day. <laughs> I d I didn't want to paint that picture. I didn't want people to be like, Oh my god, Juwan had someone with an arm chopped off. No, no, no. I I didn't have that. Um but it's just it's one of those things where it's just like I don't know, I don't know how you could be around 12 hours and kind of and blood stinks like blood doesn't just have no scent like blood stinks um so like i said i'm probably looking at it too logically i'll take it i'll take it i'll take it but it's one of those things where it's just like that was a key scene because it was the first of i think that was no that was maybe the second death i think the guy died from the monkeys first which is a horrible way to die um, but I think yeah. that was first, and then she died by the sphere. Um, but it just, I, I don't know. I felt like nothing had a payoff. Everything was more confusing than, than the last. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, in, unless you do, Tia, I don't have anything else to break down because I think instead of answering, we created more questions uh, for ourselves. Um, if there's any characters or anyone else you want to kind of talk about, definitely let me know. Um, I think we're good. I think we did a good job of breaking it down. Again, I would say that if people are going to watch it, watch it to form your own opinion um, and watch it again because 
Jake Gyllenhaal is really good in it. That, that's what my takeaway is from it. Yeah, I mean, any movie I see Jake Gyllenhaal or Tom Hardy in, I'm usually going to be a proponent of people like, make sure you go watch it. Like, you're watching some of the best actors of our time. Um, so go watch that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if I had to give it a grade, I'd say if you give it a B, I'm going to give it a C plus. Only because, like, Jake Gyllenhaal was freaking amazing. I, I even go as far as to say I didn't think the acting in it was bad. It was just, it seemed like the, the dialogue went nowhere, the setups went nowhere, and it just didn't explain enough. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to have to say B minus C plus, around there, around there. Um, not horrible, you know, not great, but not horrible either. Uh, Geek Vibes Nation, make sure you definitely go check out uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, form your own opinion. Um, also, Tia, would you like to let them know <clears throat> what Top 10 will be about? Yes, so tomorrow we're going to be doing the Top 10 at 10 a.m., and we are going to be doing the Top 10 DC movies. Now, I first want to say, because we have done a Top 10 MCU movie, but this is not just strictly to the DCEU. First of all, I don't think there is enough movies within the DCEU to even do that. So it is going to be DCEU, uh, previous DC movies, and we are also including animated movies because DC has come out with some really fantastic animated movies, so we can't leave those out. So please stay tuned for the top 10 DC movies. No. Yeah, absolutely, Tia. And honestly, I'm going to try my hardest to be on this episode because I can make a list purely of DC animated movies. Um, I'm actually, Joel has the DC, um, the DC app, so I'm going to steal his tonight and just go through and watch some of them. Um, but I'm glad you actually brought that up because huge shouts out to Warner Brothers for inviting us out to a press screening of Reign of Superman. Uh, got to meet, got to meet a lot of great geek publications and some really cool celebrities: Rebecca Romaine, Jerry o. O'Donnell, um, Chris Williams, excuse me, Rebecca Romaine, uh, Tony Todd. Just so many great individuals. Uh, it was a great experience. So huge shout out to Warner Brothers for that. Geek Vibes Nation, thank you for listening to our review of Velvet Buzzsaw. Do not miss Geek Vibes Live. Um, do not miss top 10 and stay tuned for full court press and wrestling geeks Alliance. Jeez. We have so many shows. Um, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> and thank you for listening to our review till next time. Peace. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>